Hello, listening people. Hello. Uh, you are listening to Spit and Polish Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. I'm Ryan Slowinski. I'm Bartek Kaspershak. And you are listening to Spit and Polish. Why we call it Spit and Polish? It's because we're always spitting. And we're both Polish. And what's the film we're going to talk about today, Bartek? The film today is Duże Grube Kłamcą. I, I don't understand what you said. I... I imagine you're speaking Polish. I I do not speak Polish. Oh, well, in that case, Mr. I'm Polish but don't speak Polish, the movie we are watching is called Big Fat Liar. Ah, yes. Big Fat Liar. And I think it's time to introduce our first ever guest and our first ever non-Polish guest, Will Brooks. Hello! Hi, Will. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm Will Brooks. I'll be one of the guys talking while you're uh, watching the film. Yes. Hope you enjoy. Well, we are going to be talking about the 2002 classic, unappreciated masterpiece that is Big Fat Liar. Big Fat Liar starring Frankie Muniz, Paul Giamatti, and, of course, Amanda Bynes, uh, with many, many, many other cameos and interesting guest-starring appearances. Are we excited? I'm pretty excited. Oh, yes. I, I think we should just mention our background with the film first. The background? Yes. You go first. Um, well, I'm probably the least exciting background because I only saw this film for the first time as of this recording 24 hours ago. Well, we're going to be talking very much about that because Will and I, we of course have lived this film before, haven't we? Um, if I lived before, you mean watched once a number of years ago and then rewatched again the other day. Well, I guess... <laughs> I have lived... I have lived. I guess you guys are, are fairly new to Big Fat Liar. Me, I was one of those kids who always watched it when it was on TV. I never, of course, got the pleasure of seeing this masterpiece in the cinema when it first came out, which is one of my greatest tragedies in life that I've lived so far. But one day, maybe Big Fat Liar 2? Yeah, well... Who knows? Don't beat yourself up over it too much. We were only, like, what, nine when it was in cinemas? Yeah, well, it was old enough for me to realise that I missed... An important moment in life. Well, I mean, like I... It, we were nine, it's an explicit film, so... Uh, uh, for you, it's explicit. For, 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 for Will and I, it's a, it's a masterpiece, uh, but, and it's all right. Well, I grew up with Nickelodeon, so I had, you know, some experience with the type of uh, goings-on that happened in the film. Because it was written by Dan Schneider, that guy who does quite a lot of those Nickelodeon shows. Yeah. Is, there you go. Well, let's stop gas-bagging on about how much... We love the film, and let's actually start it. So, on, I will do the countdown. So, three, two, one, play. So, here we are. We are now starting it. Ah, Universal. Universal, the masters of of cinema. What? Bit of lag, but we're getting through. Yes, yes, we are getting through the film. Yes, it's still on the Universal side. Now, Bartek, you were mentioning this is your first time out seeing Big Fat Liar. Uh, What did you think of it? Now, you you barely knew anything about the film. I found it refreshing, actually. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, There are a lot of kids' movies today where, I don't know, I don't think they really get their audience much, and this was just a, you know, a fun film, and Frankie Muniz really held it together as the lead. Okay, and would you say if you were a kid when you watched this, like if you saw this when it first came out, would this have been in your collection of favourite kids' films? Like, you know, do you think kid Bartek would have loved this film like adult Bartek does? (laughs) Um, I think I appreciate it more now from a retrospective perspective. 
retrospective perspective, retrospective perspective, retrospective perspective. Beautiful. Um, oh, I like this part. Oh, the bullies. <laughs> yes. The bullies is clearly the best. What I love about the bully is, look at him in the suit. He clearly is, like, the dominant leader of the group. But later on, they completely change his character to a complete imbecile who has no idea of words or, <laughs> or basically any human function. But here... He doesn't seem like a complete idiot. He seems like just a normal kid flexing, apparently. Yeah. But he's just a bully. But later on, they introduce him as a completely different character, in my opinion. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, yeah, let's have, let's have you know, generic bully. And then later on, he becomes, like, Ralph Wiggum or something. Like, why does it happen? Jack to Ralph Wiggum. Yeah, he suffered a severe head injury off screen. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I really liked? After the film, I looked him up on mm. Wikipedia. Oh, by the way, this. Oh, remember <laughs> when you went to school and you were locked out, like, last second? I wish they did that. Yeah. So I looked him up on Wikipedia, and he won like awards for his role in Twelve Years of Slave. Apparently. Well, of course, he he's a great actor. Now, what I love is, look, they've both got these walkie-talkies. When I was when I was rewatching this yesterday, I'm like, what the fuck is that technology? I don't know. Is it a weird mobile phone? And then I kind of had to rewind it and pause it and realize they've both got these separate walkie-talkies. But in a few moments, he clearly has a mobile phone, as does she later on in the film. So why weren't they just texting with mobile fo- mobile phones in the first place? Like, one of them's... They're both carrying walkie-talkie weird texty devices, but then they both have mobile phones, so... Is, is it like a mobile pager or something? I, yeah, like a I, hybrid? I don't know. I don't know. But why? Why? Now... Now, okay, Bartek, you're new to this, but this is the scene in which it's... I actually have a page... I have pages upon pages of notes... And with this specific moment, I wrote classic meatball story because this is the classic meatball story of film. I don't think any other movie has had a meatball story quite as interesting as Big Fat Liar in which, you know, he's telling the story about, you know, a a tragic story, some might say, about how his dad choked on a meatball. Yeah, and Frankie Muniz sells it. Uh, I, <laughs> I like how you think he sells it. I, I think he, this really shows how... how uh, well, look at him. He's like, he's really into it. Mm. Like a, ki- a this, normal this child actor. in the sun. Yeah, a child actor today would kind of just like read and be like all desperate. Like, oh, oh and oh, he you know, was really you, bad. You know, you know, you know, Frankie Muniz is now a car racer, right? No, I've just always had that in the back of my mind. Like, oh, what's Frankie Muniz he's doing? A but racer. I'll never look it up. He had, a, he had a stroke a few years back, and he's only, like, in his, like, 20s or 30s or whatever. He, he had a stroke. So I feel like they're going to have this classic meatball scene in, like, his memoriam video at the Oscars. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be like, out of all the actors we lost this year, we lost the greatest of them all. Frankie Muniz, and then it'll, like, have that inspirational music, and then it'll cut to, like, this clip in which it's just like, yeah, and he choked on a meatball! It's like, we will miss his talents. We'll miss them all. I like how all of the kids are supporting him, but there's, like, that one kid in the middle, just a moment ago, he had this disgusted look on his face. Is he gonna show him again? No, no, I bet not. That guy wasn't disgusted, he was very (laughs) impressed. So... So you were saying this is your first time watching it. Now, was it was it a marvelous time? Was it a great experience actually watching the film itself? Did you enjoy everyone in it, especially? I got to ask. You talk about Frankie Muniz being the glue. I, I think Paul Giamatti is the glue of this film, and we have yet to well, see I, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, I, I meant like in 
the related to other child actors, he did really well. Mm. True, true. Now, I love the teacher. The teacher, who is Sandra Oh of Grey's Anatomy fame, of course. And I bet there's someone out there going, it's not just Grey's Anatomy fame, guy. She's a big part of Big Fat Liar, where she appears in three scenes. But I love... I love her in this film because she's doing overacting, or as I like to, I'm going to keep calling it Shatner in this film, because in my notes I kept writing Shatner because she specifically had the vocal stylings of William Shatner. There's a bit coming up in a moment where she'll be like, the two choices are summer school or summer school. And it's just so William Shatner. And then I realise I'm watching the film... Lots of people are doing William Shatner. Like, the kids are doing William Shatner. The Paul Giamatti does William Shatner. Later on, later on, um, Sulu from the new Star Trek movies does William Shatner. It's just great. It's just great to see that in a kid's film, they are like, you know what we need to do some William Shatner acting. Now, now here's a big question. How would this film have worked if Frankie Muniz was played by William Shatner? It would have been, oh. it would have been like in the South Park episodes where Rob Schneider has commercials and he's like clearly in places he sh- an adult shouldn't be. Well, I guess, I guess you've got a question: Can you improve a masterpiece? <laughs> it is true. And would the addition of William there's Shatner... a line that line just there? He was like, "Well, why don't you, you know, make it up? If since you seem so good at making up stories, I took that as a compliment. I'm like, why are you looking sad? It's true. What I love is that was literally the last line of dialogue we heard, and in this scene right now. They're going to repeat that dialogue that we just heard. Yeah, and now he's like, oh, wait, that was a compliment. Like, he's like, oh, okay, good idea, Dad. Now, can we talk about his parents? Um, Will, what do you think about his parents? Does his mom actually say anything in this film? I, I'm pretty sure she says something. I think she says a few things, and I, I think you pointed out earlier, Ryan, that his he thought his dad looked a bit like Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are talking before, and I think, honestly, I think the dad looks like he could play Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four. And at the end, he's there, at the end, spoiler, I know, you're surprised. At the end, he's there in a tuxedo, and he's like, is he Bruce Wayne's dad? What's happening? Like, no, 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 the bully's a completely different character. I'm not saying it's that he took the skateboard and it made him a different man, but clearly Frankie Muniz's skateboard made him a different man. In fact, in my notes, in my notes, when he's skating, um, Frankie Muniz, I actually wrote, Malcolm can skate. Mm, oh, okay, yeah, I, I've watched one episode of Malcolm <laughs> One episode. Guys, we're talking over the best bit. Paul Giamatti. Yeah, I really liked him in this scene. This is... Again, because I didn't know what the movie was about, I thought this was, like, the one part of the movie he's in. I'm like, oh, he's going to be, like, a mentor character throughout the whole movie, (laughs) teaching, (laughs) and he's going to use the lessons he learnt in this part to become the best liar in the world. Oh, he's going to teach us some stuff. And then when he left his, like, you know... Well, I'm sorry, I'm spoiling the movie. No, 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 go on. <laughs> when, he left, when he left his dignity behind, I mean, his virginity behind, I mean, the paper behind. The paper with grey on it that, like, if you look at it from our perspective, looks like an assignment. Yeah. When he leaves it behind and he's like, oh, okay, it's like, oh, okay, he's going to be a driving force behind the movie. Oh, and then I cried in happiness because he would be more of him. That limp handshake. That was a limp handshake. Oh, it's like there's... What I love is, Will, Will, i got to ask you, what is the, What are both of their names? It's Marty Wolf and I believe it's Jason Shepherd. D- it's, no. it's symbolism. Symbolism. Wolf, Shepherd. 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 Wolf, Boy Shepherd. who cried wolf. 
I think is what it's, oh, it's, it's, retelling. Inter- it's a retelling the, the of shep- the shepherd off. the shepherd part went over my head but oh, yeah. whoa 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 really great I uh, like you know the story basically is from Frankie Muniz learns you should you shouldn't tell lies and you should never at least tell you know you shouldn't tell lies by what but what I love is Paul Giamatti doesn't Marty Wolf doesn't learn anything at the end like he gets humiliated but he still thinks well I guess you don't tell the same lie twice like that's his motivation at the end of this film is he learns literally nothing which is what I love I love characters that learn literally nothing at the end of the film yet they go through so much and this is one of the well he does learn one thing what does he learn? Jason's 14 yeah oh yeah yes (laughs) I had that in my notes. It's just like, I'm 14. He says that like three or four times. And then at the end, it's like, how could you steal a paper from a 12-year-old boy? It's like, he's he's 14, actually. Spoiler alert, Ryan. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. We're just, we're just spoiling the whole film. Yeah. Can I talk about other scenes during this fantastic scene? Uh, I'm sorry. Earl. Um, you, he, he called him Earl. He called him Earl. That's true. So, we got... Oh, the acting in this film is just... Look... I've got some big names too. They've got big names. I'm not saying that this is Paul Giamatti's best film, but it's clearly Paul Giamatti's best. He's a good film. actor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, Will Bartek. I want to. There's a better actor. <laughs> Will Bartek. I want to ask you. Will Bartek, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just coming out with the jokes. All right, I'm listening. Yeah. God, I hate you. Um, I want to know. Do you know who he is? Uh, Jaleel White. Yeah, but. Why is he? Why is he famous? Uh, he played two very famous characters. He played one, uh, Steve Urkel, in Family Matters, uh-huh. and he played Sonic the Hedgehog in cartoons. There you go. Will you knew that? I didn't know the Sonic thing. Well, you thank did. You, thank you for keeping me informed. But you about did it. know the the Urkel, right? Yes. And that's obviously the crux of the story with this character of him playing himself is. He hates being called Urkel. Now, I've got to ask you. Yeah, typecast. I've got to ask you. You said, what, we were nine years old? Uh, would nine-year-old Bartek and nine-year-old Will and nine-year-old Ryan know about Urkel? Dude, I have never seen an episode of Family Matters, and I hadn't heard of it until, like, the last couple of years, yeah, maybe. Too- oh, he... Urkel does get referenced in popular culture. I mean, the episode of The Simpsons where... Yeah. Homer mistakes burns for an alien. But references are so fleeting. What I'm saying is... Why is Urkel in this film? I mean, is I mean, I understand why he's in the film, but I'm saying it's a kids film, right? What kids are going to understand the Urkel reference? Maybe maybe I am underestimating kids' knowledge of Urkel. Yeah, here comes your line. Oh yeah, yeah, without the essay, you know. Yes, the classic or oh, summer school. Look at her. Oh, she's so evil for no apparent oh, yeah. reason. Now, Will, you wanted to talk about this, this scene here. <laughs> this oh, yeah, listen. Well, there's a lot going on in this scene. I'm not sure whether we should divert to Ferret Guy, who's coming up, or we should talk about the history of the semicircle. I love <laughs> semicolon. Oh, semicolon. Semicolon. So, so, Will, Will, you were talking to me about, about what was wrong with this scene before. Now, well, Bartek, just... prepare yourself. Tell, uh, us, tell us what's wrong with the scene. Oh, let, me just, uh, let me just get my notes. A full page of yeah, sentences. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, I actually looked up the history of the semicolon because of this because I wanted to see if it was true and I couldn't find anything on Jedediah Wilkinson <laughs> and I looked it up and the modern use of the semicolon actually predates 1734 so it's like I don't want to alarm you guys but that bit in summer school it's actually a lie shit <laughs> I know it's a lie 
I, I love that's what you got out of that scene. Personally, I was just I couldn't get over the ferret guy. I couldn't get over the teacher. <laughs> the teacher's just like so into it, like that one scene where he's so happy. He's so happy. I love the ferret guy. Like, why has he got a ferret? There's all these questions. No, no. This scene here, I specifically wrote down. Um, where is it? I wrote down that that like oh she's back again or something because it's been so long since we've seen her character that I kind of forgot that yeah. she was in the movie. <laughs> and they do that with so many characters. Like we see the bully again later on, and I'm like, oh my god, that's the bully! I kind of forgot about about this. Yeah, uh, they didn't show the best part of the movie enough. Yeah, they did. Yeah, the bully, the bully, or are you joking about what the bully storyline is? Which, we'll get to that eventually. Well, I mean, they come hand in hand, don't they? Oh, there's, some, there's some very patrician elements in the bullies. Can I, can I... Uh, I love how he hovers, just like... Mm. He's got magical powers. Now, I'm not saying that this is actually a secretly an X-Men movie <laughs> in which he has magical powers or something. Sorry, I was just lighting the word art looking font. <laughs> well, it's the 2000s. It's yeah. the 2000s. I used word art all the time in 2000s. Now, i got to ask you a question, guys. Would you would you watch Big Fat Liar? Like in this universe where Marty Wolf made it and he made the film, would you have watched it? If I was nine, maybe, yeah. Well, if a film called Big Fat Liar is a masterpiece in one universe, <laughs> it stands to reason it could be a masterpiece elsewhere. Oh god. I'm you... like that with the sa- the movies in the South Park series, like Terrence and Philip asses on fire and stuff. I'd see those. Yes, I would. I don't know. I would rather see Chubby Rain than um, Big Fat Liar. But this, look at the dad. He's Mr. Fantastic. Look at him. Can't you see him as Mr. Fantastic? Like, he's just like, son, don't tell lies. And he, like, slaps him. But he's like, Malcolm, I mean, Frankie Munez is in a different room. And you just see, like, the dad's hand just kind of, like, whip back through the corridors. And he's just like, he's missed up. Oh, I forgot all about this part. <laughs> the sister. This, um... This <laughs> I was like, oh, she's such a nice sister. What I like how she has the word innocent her? written on her shirt to give us the idea that she's well, not Well, no, she innocent. has os. No, but it, I, I like this guy. The, oh, the, the, the um, cultural appropriation guy. Or as I wrote in my notes, racism. That man's me. <laughs> That is, that's, Yo, what's up, dog? That's precisely Bartek. And then he says, how you living? He like, asks, like, how are you in three different ways? It's I'm, cracking, kid. I'm <laughs> seeing <laughs> double. <laughs> what I love is, I love, we never see her again. Yeah, I know, that's why I said I forgot about this. Which means we never see him again. Look at that old guy. Again, again, we never see her again. Yeah, she's I she's dead in in the story, I think, because it's like the well, pe- by that logic, Julia White is too. No, no, we see Julia White a lot more. Yeah, but in his last scene, he oh well, yeah, I'm... no spoilers, wrong. Oh no, here's the scene. <laughs> now here's oh, the this, scene. Yeah. Look at him. His face is different now. Like he's he's actually acting like he he's dumb now. Yeah. Well, and, before he was acting like and this sinister. Is, this is his revelation of like the skateboard doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's like so what? this is his character development. Development, yeah. Development before his main arc, <laughs> yeah. And I love. Uh, uh, I hope. I hope we could get this. But I love. What did you guys think of his laugh? Do you remember this? Like at the end of the scene, he's like on the toilet or something, <laughs> or he's like a fart or something, and you just hear like this goofy ass laugh. And it took me like in a different place in the universe when I heard that because I'm like, wait, what is this movie? Because I, it wasn't. It was it wasn't funny. It was appropriate because he was explaining exactly what it was that made him laugh, what he did, and you didn't even need to see it. 
Don't tell, don't he show was, with him. He was being very courteous, explaining. Yeah. See, look, he's asking for the plunger and he did a dookie, yeah. so we know exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, God. And, like, the, the subtitles there just said Brett laughs goofily, so it's like, hey, we know exactly what's going on. The subtitles know what we need. Now, Will, you're a bit of a bully. Would you. That's <laughs> would you wear women's clothing? on the advice of the kid you bully for free summer school homework to be done for four days. I think this picture takes... I think this movie goes over the span of, like, four or five days, perhaps. Would you Would you go to an elderly woman's house pretending to be her granddaughter so that Frankie Munoz can do your homework? Well, anything for Frankie. <laughs> now, I just... Look at her. I love um, I love this storyline because it literally goes nowhere. Yeah, well, it goes nowhere. I mean, it yeah. it goes no, it literally goes it, nowhere. No, no, the the absolute whoa look pinnacle of this storyline is when it cuts back to it, and they're doing the exercises, <laughs> and Grandma Pearl is be- is it's um the lifting the weights. Spoiler! Made of it's a spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have just spoiled the greatest thing, but it's okay. Because just hearing me describe it is not enough no, for this... me to see it. I like that guy. He's like, ooh. Oh, it's Turk from Scrubs. I don't want Scrubs. What are you, a scrub? So I wrote in my notes, Scrub uh, Turk is in this several times. Because you kind of forget that he's in this also. There's yeah. actually two Turks in this film. There's Turks <laughs> from Scrubs. And then the guy playing the masher, the individual <laughs> with the monster truck... Is played by an actor called Brian Turk. Well, there you go. <laughs> so you're getting two Turks. Oh, for you. I thought you were gonna say there's like a Turkish actor. We He's... one Turk, two Turks, three Turks, a lady. He's got uh, a cute... <laughs> this guy's got a cute face. He's got a yeah. <laughs> All right, Bartek. I love that. And now this Thanks, is Thanks, JD. <laughs> oh, that poor guy. And I want to see his movie. Like, after that, he's left at the airport and it becomes Terminal with Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh, mon- the first montage. The first of many montages. Oh, man, a cloudy day. It's a, Couldn't it's... get a blue day? Like, a, I mean, not cloudy day? I wrote I wrote um, montage, like, four or five times in this film because it, it just gets to the point where it's like, how about we do montages instead of storytelling? Now, guys, I've got a big revelation for you. Oh, really? That's going to shock you. Mm. I have never watched all of this film before. What? Yeah, okay, so what happened is, I always watched it on TV, uh-huh. and I oh. always missed the first two minutes of the film, so I didn't know that he opens up with him telling all these lies or anything. I always got there when he's jumping through the window to tell the meatball story, and why I wanted to talk about this film was, a few months ago, I was watching TV and I flicked on and, and it, it it was on but I, I missed the start of it and it was when they were just entering the airport and it's been years since I watched it and I'm like and it just reminded me how much I have never seen this movie in its yeah. entirety so you before. never got the foreshadowing of the skateboard I never got the never got that moment uh, you got so me. now only now do you understand the bully uh, yeah I, I only understand his motivation oh, this now. is a pivotal scene now, I was watching this yesterday, and, I know, spoiler, security guard, like, joins them later on. Yeah. But I didn't see how they convinced him to join. 
Maybe he was best friends with one of the people. I think he's the only member of um, the people that Marty Wolf interacts with him where Marty's not a massive jackass to him. He doesn't get the chance. Yeah, because later on they introduce another security guy, like the head of security, Rocco. Yeah. So it's like, why do they have two security guys? I love this film set. We've already missed the bronze people. The background In the background, there's the people in bronze. Those are the gorilla suits from Batman and Robin. In case anyone was curious. And look, foreshadowing of the Fantastic Four there, I'm pretty sure. They were all in spacesuits, kind of like the Fantastic Four. Just another uh, um, um, foreshadowing of the dad should really be Mr. <laughs> Fantastic. You mean Fantastic Four. Oh, oh, I hate you so much. I hate you. Oh. Now, what did you think of um, this character here? Um, I thought she was okay. Will? She's a dog lover, and she works for a guy whose last she's name is Wolf. I wrote that symbolism. she's probably the most realistic character, because she's like, he doesn't have kids. I'm not going to let you in there. I don't know who you are. Get away from me, basically. And I also ask Frankie Muniz to get away from me, too. That's creepy. Well, you say that she's realistic, but when Amanda Bynes does her job and she gets yeah. fully into character, I think becoming another person... Even mm. though you don't really want to, is fully in character for someone to do. Now, we haven't talked about Amanda Bynes at any point. Now, I never grew up or watched anything about Amanda Bynes. Never watched the Amanda show. I didn't have Nickelodeon. So this is the only Amanda Bynes content that I grew up with. And now I'm aware of her because she had a breakdown. Why is... Okay, you guys... Have you guys watched... You guys know Amanda Yeah, Bynes? I've seen yeah. all that. I've seen the Amanda show. So... Is she good? Or was she good? She was... I mean, like, look, when we're this age, we watch a lot more, you know, stuff suited to our age comedy shows, like, I don't know, Saturday Night Live and all that kind of stuff. When you're a kid, your kid version is like the Amanda show. So you get, like, funny sketches where, you know, they slap each other with fish. She plays a Judge Judy parody and stuff like that. So, I mean, (laughs) in this age, kids liked her. She was funny enough. So... Is that why in this movie they make her do several different characters? I think... I suspect. Yes, she's a child actress who is known for comedic stuff, so that's why she does a lot of stuff. And then it's kind of jarring where she's trying to play a normal girl then she cuts immediately to being crazy or whatever. Yeah. I've just got one question related to Amanda Bynes in this film. Yeah? What's her character's name in this film? Because I kept thinking of her, oh, that's just Amanda Bynes. So it's like, I actually don't know what her name is. Oh, well, clearly somebody wasn't paying attention because now she is Astrid uh, Barker. Oh, my God. Barker. I only (laughs) Well, I mean, when Will just said that she's a dog lover working for a guy named Wolf, I was like, oh, oh, I get that now. It's Astrid Barker. You know, I watched this film yesterday and I didn't I didn't get that. That was great. Now. And by the way, her character's name is Kaylee. Kaylee. Thank you. Uh, Now, I love his office because it's got many things of him. Oh, this this part was was something that was a bit weird. Like, here he's having a breakdown of the fact that he can't find his organiser. And (laughs) I thought that was foreshadowing to, if he doesn't have his organiser, something bad's going to go happen to him. But it never comes up again. It's just the fact... No, 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 no. He steals his organiser. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. This scene is establishing that the absence of his organiser causes him, you know, to go crazy... But the absence of that organiser when he takes it doesn't make him go yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah that that's is true. The, that's the thing that made me feel, oh, that was a bit weird. I like how 
he has. Uh, we'll see it in a moment. But did you guys notice that Marty Wolf, like he grabs out from the safe? He has a safe, but the safe is in 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 a wall, and the wall is like different collages of Marty Wolf's face. <laughs> did you see this? Is uh, because I love how it just her, like her face. Her yeah. face confused. Yeah, I wrote. <laughs> yeah, I wrote creepy face from. I was from... like, what's what's her character? Is she gonna be major? Is she gonna be minor? Like, what's that face supposed to mean? Like, okay, you talk to this kid who... And she just learned that he wrote Big Fat Liar, so... But she doesn't seem phased, and later on, she's like, wait, he wrote Big Fat Liar? You were there when he said he wrote Big Fat Liar. And by the way, that scene at the party has a cameo from an actor who was in something I really enjoyed watching. Which is? What was that? Dustin Powers, he played Screech and Saved by the Bell. Oh, there you go. So when I was like... (gasps) Screech! There's many people from... Many ne- cameos later on. Next time we should watch, like, I don't know, Saved by the Bell Wedding in Las Vegas. That's I... not a film that I watched once and then I... again. I wrote... Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no. It's somewhere around in this n- next few shots. You're going to see, like, a wall of his face. And it is gorgeous. To... There it is! <laughs> <laughs> what? Is that bad continuity? Or no, 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 no. He opened the safe. Yeah. So it opens the wall with his faces on it. And then when he closes it, it closes the wall with his faces on it. Wait, so was that like a closet or something? It's, it's, the it's, safe it's, was in the closet? Yeah, yeah. so it's like a, a, like a wall that you have a handle on and you open up the wall and there's a safe installed oh, okay. in the wall. I love... Oh, he dropped the match. I wrote several times... Paul Giamatti. Just Paul Giamatti. Like, nothing else. I could have written overacting or saving grace of film, but just Paul Giamatti. But with this scene, I wrote this many a times. What if everyone died right now? Like, what happens if the film took a weird turn and they burned to death? Um, Amanda Bynes would be the main character. Really? I think it would be Urkel. Uh, because... His name is Jaleel. <laughs> yeah. His name is Julia. No, I would like... Sonic the Hedgehog. No, I think... You know what would... Okay. This is Doggy Dog Town, the classic, but there's like... And we got cats eating cats. We got fish munching fish. We play by our own rules. I love... Like, later on, he uses that. Like, Frankie Muniz is like, this is a fishy fish town. <laughs> it's like, why is he using... Why is he using this this language from Marty Wolf? He hates him. If you hated someone, would you adopt what they said and use it in everyday manner speech would you yes <laughs> sorry I was looking at the planner it looked it's like a, a good cal- turn of phrase it's a good turn of phrase the, the planner looked like a calculator that I used in VCE VCE yeah not everyone did VCE Bartek I did HSE yeah that's why you're not as smart as me that's why I don't know Polish now 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 I had a big argument I was watching this with my girlfriend the other day and I I said how short is Astrid? Now watch this. Like I, I'm like, oh, how tall is Amanda Bynes? She's like, what, supposed to be 14 in this film? How tall is she? Like, look, look, look how she towers over this woman. Mm. And then the argument pursued of, no, the platform's raised. But then, no, it isn't because she's still taller than her and the chick's now standing there. So I looked up the actress's height and oddly enough... Astrid or Amanda? Astrid. Yep. Amanda is five foot eight, so about common height. Okay, it's two inches. Astrid is the same height as Danny DeVito. Okay, mm. so she's short. She is short. 
and we never see her again, might I add. So I thought it would be great. That's something you'll be saying a lot about in this movie. (laughs) Like, already we've had a few characters that you'll never see again. You'll be surprised what comes back. The bullies, the semicolon. Lee Majors is in this movie. (laughs) Why is Lee Majors in this? No, I, um... Look at that sick calculator he's got. It's it's not a calculator. I know it isn't. It's his, like, palm pilot or whatever. Organiser. Yeah. I love... Yeah, so... Yeah, we never see her again. There's many characters you never see again, which I think is a part of the brilliance of the film, I must say. It is the fact that characters are there for no real reason. Yeah, like 20 seconds ago when that extra walked in front of the camera. <laughs> Did the director want that? I've been an extra in things. That doesn't seem like something they do. Well, you know, you're... Look, I'm not saying you've got better film knowledge than the film that's talking about behind-the-scenes of films. <laughs> but Filmception. clearly... Cle- oh, my God. <laughs> clearly you have a better one. Oh, no, no, we're going to enter the next montage oh, soon. And this yes. is... This is the childhood dream area. This is the 2000s montage. And I'm, I'm not joking. Like, the other one was just a montage. This is... 2000s montage like this is the epitome of the early 2000s it was a crazy time i you know, you know the 2000s the or the noughties i always felt like in the moment never had like an identity of its own like each era each decade has its own identity and like you're living in the 2000s you felt like you didn't didn't have one but then you look back and you're like boy did it <laughs> boy did it and... uh, i'm still getting that sense but yeah. Really? Like, if you just look at anything Spice Girls related, that that they really set what was going to be the 2000s, really. Spice yeah. Girls... Weren't the Spice Girls most popular in the 90s? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they were the catalyst of how things looked, how music became, how things just went 2000s-like. Yeah, this, this, this is like a very girly costumes thing and him goofing off with a bunch of props. Like, if you played Spice Girls right now... And said so this is Spice Whoa, Girls film clip. That that if you nice. say this is Spice Girls film clip, you wouldn't be surprised. Now, I wish we looked up how old she was, because there is that question of like, how old are they actually in comparison to the characters well, they are playing? Sh- I'm pretty sure this was after the Amanda show. She's she's definitely older than twelve. She's fourteen, clearly. Well, if her you, character is, yeah. If you clearly listened but to most, the uh, film, most actors. <laughs> As we will be reminded, she's in fact. Yeah, but most actors kind of play a bit younger. Oh, true, true. So you're saying she's 42 years old? She's not even 42 (laughs) right now. Oh, helmet! Oh, cowboy. I mean, sheriff. I mean, buddy. This is is how you do commentary. Just say what you see. (laughs) Skulls, uh, ukulele, trumpets. (laughs) Oh, he's going for it. He's trumpeting it. Now. Um, Will, I gotta ask, why did you want to come here and talk about Big Fat Liar? Other than me persisting, other than me persisting that I needed you to talk about Big Fat Liar. Well, Ryan, I'm not really a why guy. I'm more of a why not. And so I asked myself, why not go down to Ryan's place and talk about Big Fat Liar? And there really wasn't too much more that went into my thought process. That was a beautiful. Um, that was a beautiful statement. Uh, you guys should know that um, Will is Ryan's weakness. Uh, everyone's my weakness except for you, Bart. Like I, I hate you. That's uh, why I'm the co-host. The <laughs> get out! Oh yeah, we did our research and we found out that when co-hosts hate each other, it makes for a successful show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, whoops. 
Drop my pen. Bad, bad hosting. What I loved is I had to rewind the scene because I didn't realize that annoying, annoying ass noise that Turk is making is like him turning oh, on the car. Yeah. I didn't realize. I thought he was having a stroke. No, I knew exactly what he was doing. I just didn't know why. That's, that's also something we're going to be saying a lot in this. I, know, I knew what he was doing, but I didn't know why. But this was, like, the only thing that, like, got on me. Like, okay, yeah, you're interrupting them. You do- We've heard this joke already. And now he's on their side. Yeah. Spo- Sorry, that was a spoiler. Oh, how dare Guys, did. guys, we're just, we're just spoiling this everything. I feel bad spit, for everyone who's spit never and seen spoiler. this master voice before. Spit and spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so, who is your favourite character in the film, guys? Uh, my favourite character is Marty Doesn't Get Away With It. Oh, spoiler. Oh. I'm so sorry, guys. What about you? Oh, well, it really is a character piece at heart, so it's very difficult to pick a definitive one. I'm going to go with Mr. Funny Bones. I knew it. I knew. I knew that you were going to mention Mr. Funny Bones. I knew when I asked this question, Mr. Funny Bones is going to be Will's answer for sure. (laughs) Now, uh, there is a lot I could choose from. I mean, I'm going through my notes, making sure that there's characters I'm not forgetting, such as Sulu from Star Trek, Twinkies. Oh, this director guy. Oh, yeah, the director. Here he is. Um, I'll, I'll get into who I love the most, but it's kind of hard not to say Marty Wolf, because there's his face wall again. Yeah. Now, look, this is him being the director, and clearly the reference is that this director is supposed to be like John Woo, you know, face-off. He's all obsessed with slow-mo and doves and everything and multiple cameras. And it's so good because, you know, then Marty Wolf is racist to him. And it kind of comes out of nowhere. But at the same time, it does does make sense because Marty Wolf is an asshole. But I did not know until I looked up the credits that the director's name, like the, the director within this film, the guy we just saw, his character's name is Dusty Dusty Wong. I just find that immensely amusing that his name is Dusty Wong. I like how he's kind of like a, explaining to kids, this is how an overly passionate director is when exaggerated. Yeah, and I love how, again, Shatner acting. It's so funny. He is probably, he does the most Shatner acting in the film. Like, just then he's like... The, the director? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, there will be birds everywhere we go. Like, Sulu from Star Trek. He, just a moment ago, he's just like, there will be birds everywhere we go. Multiple cameras needed. And I find it funny because he is Sulu in the new Star Trek movies, but he's being Captain Kirk. It was just an emotional uh, roller coaster ride. Would you... Now, now, my favourite character of the film... Uh, I like I like um, Duncan's wife. The wife of the uh, president of the film company. She's oh, like, right, yeah. Yeah, he's like... I was like, who the hell's Duncan? (laughs) Duncan is the very sexy man. (laughs) Oh, look, here it is. The like, just like, what are you like? The was it like the thing of Twinkies? So like, why is he making fun of like? I noted down like this is the scene in which really I think this scene we're about to have here with Marty Wolf raises the most questions for me personally. Mm. I mean, sure, Mister Funny Bones raises many questions, but we'll get to him. How does he... How did Marty Wolf get into such a high position being this much of an asshole? Well, he and, mentioned... Oh, sorry, you keep going? Uh, we'll get there. How, much, how did he then manage to maintain his position at being this much of an asshole? Because the problem is, is like, 
at the end, spoiler, at the end, he gets fired. And throughout the film, it's like referenced that he was going to lose his job if the film doesn't do well. But it's not because of his behavior towards others. It's because the films are crap. So how does he keep his job with such an asshole nature? Like he's look the scene. He's like, oh, sure. Let me look at this card for your like grandson's yeah, party. And you, he you rips could, it apart. Yeah, you can see how where it's does going. he keep his job? And how did he get so high in his job? Bartek, what's your answer? Well, I was just going to say that in the earlier scene, he said like one hit can like really make you. So I, I assume that one of the three movies that we saw in the poster in that fat lady scene was like the film that made him and that kind of kept him in a high position. Kind of like um, M. Night. Didn't M. Night just make a bunch of good films and people like built him up to be like the next great guy and he... Failed. Failed, but like because of that reputation he used to have, he's still up there. There's E.T. for you. Oh yeah, I love how they look at E.T. and they're like, oh my god, Grandma Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, like, oh, they're going to talk about E.T. now? It's like, Grandpa, I'm like, she doesn't look that much like E.T. So, Will, give me your thoughts about Grandma Pearl. Is this is this the bit where I think... Cause, yeah. It's, oh, we're it's, about to uh, see... Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to see poetry in motion. In visual form. And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Do you believe that someone wrote this? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, the fact that she's, you know, like, lifting up wool, like something light, that's a classic joke, but I think the juxtaposition of, you know, the really energetic, dumb bully is really what made that. I just... I like how Amanda looks like she's having fun in this bit. She isn't, though, is she? She's probably getting prepared for her breakdown. I'm not saying that this ruined everyone's careers, but, uh, you know, look. I didn't see Mr. Fantastic here in the new Fantastic Four movie. Um, guys, I got a question. Did you pick up on the uh, foreshadowing with the birthday card in that last scene? Where, where... The clown on the birthday card yeah, yeah. is blue with orange hair. Oh my god. Oh, I didn't pick up it's, on that. It's, it's poetry. Each this... stanza rhymes with the next one. <laughs> this, this, oh look, this movie has many layers that I, that I did not take into consideration when I watched it as a kid. That's the thing about masterpieces. As a kid, you know they're good, but you don't know the intricate layers that are held in them. I'm I'm not saying that this is... Sorry, I was just like, there was a neon sign in the background that said fun. (laughs) You can see Bartek is more into the background than the plot. Well, this is what we call mise-en-scene. It's mise-en-scene. It's 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 a word that you have to use. Mise-en-scene. You have to use the word mise-en-scene if you want to be in our position. I... Not saying that this film is better than Citizen Kane. Like that. I didn't like the fact that they didn't put the sunglasses on in synchronicity. She was like, uh, Amanda was too slow. And uh Okay, well here we go. Will, what's your thoughts about Mr. Funny Burns? It truly is the only thing other than himself that Marty Wolf actually cares about. <laughs> yeah, but I got that from this that part, but then when he starts beating it, I was like, is it a friendly relationship? But he doesn't really abuse it after this part, does he? No, he does. Does he? He does. He does. Um, I like how no one is mentioning... Why does he have it? Why'd you take the sunglasses off when you put them on? Why does he have... Mis- like, Mr. Funny Bones is never, like, 
brought up and like why does he have it like nobody in the film knows about Mr. Funny Bones except for these guys I feel because it's like if you knew about Mr. Funny Bones wouldn't you ruin this guy's career if you knew about this guy sleeps with a toy monkey well you mentioned before like um you said I think you said why doesn't anyone really acknowledge Mr. Funny Bones and what he does but like if this, I don't mean this as a joke, but you can pretty much tell just by looking at this, watching the film. Like, he wakes up in a bed. With a monkey. With a monkey. So clearly that means that they're close. And then he <laughs> says good morning to her. It's the first thing he does. So, again, Sex. reinforces the... F- maybe, but it reinforces the fact that they're close. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and then he starts playing with him, and it's like a friendly little thing. So clearly, yeah. they are close. They are... <laughs> As I said in Garth Marenga's Dark Place, buddies. I like how he dives into the clearly different blue water than the water. Like, it's so blue that he doesn't notice. Yeah, here it is. The trademark of the film. A wet, slimy... (laughs) Did you say there was a continuity error in this bit? Yeah. Yeah. A wet, slimy, blue Paul Giamatti is the selling point of this film. Yeah, but do you say something about like, his trunks were not the right Yeah, color? look, he dived into blue dye. It should have dyed his pants, but they are un- un-blue. Do you reckon the pants are actually just, like, anti-blue, and that means that it saved his dick and ass? Yeah, yeah, it saved his dick and ass, and now he's dancing. I love how he doesn't notice the fact that he's blue, even though he has his hands mm. and arms in front of his yeah, face. Yeah, and still now, he's like looking at that... Well, we Actually, we can't assume he was looking. His mm. eyes are closed. His eyes are closed. Give the film credit mm. where it's due. Now, Psycho reference. Yeah. I do like how this film makes film references because it is set in the film universe. But at the same time... Who would it, get it? It's again? a kid... No, it's a, no, don't say who would get I, it. I, I'm it's, sorry. What kid is going to... No, Taking wait. into account the audience. Best reaction in film ever. That was the best reaction yeah. to I, I was kind of disappointed that it didn't like go to the universe. It just kept like moving away from the house. <laughs> like, show us something more. It should have zoomed out to the world and then the universe and then kept zooming, zooming out and then it's like zooms and out to like follicles and then you zoomed out and it's from his head again. <laughs> I, I love... I love it. <sighs> Mr. Funnybones... Mr. Funny Bones haunts me, actually, because I'm like, okay, you have, when you're writing something, would, when did the writer go, you know what this film's missing? Mr. Funny Bones. It needs Marty Wolf to have something that he loves, so why not an inanimate object that is, in fact, a kid's toy that is a monkey with its mouth open in a sucking-like motion. Uh, why? Uh, well, first of all, the thing with sucking is you kind of need to close something so you can get the, you know, the sucking action going. Second of all, somehow I don't think he was ever really absent from earlier drafts of the script. I feel like they would have they put him in there. <laughs> so Because it, this film's a masterpiece. See, see, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Funny Bones is the key to all of this, and so the film was built around him... It wasn't... Originally, the original name of the film was Big Fat Funny Bones. I love this. Okay, okay. Now, the thing is, this film, I'm not saying it defies logic, but there is this moment in which this sequence from him getting out, realizing he's blue, to, to him getting his car, spoiler alert, run over by a monster truck, is probably the most realistic aspect of the film ever. Because he is like, I have a meeting. I have to go to it. 
but I'm blue. And I need makeup women. And he phones up this woman. He's like, I need makeup women. And they're like, they're busy. It's like, well, I can't go. I'm blue. And I just love... I just love the fact that she's just like, oh, everyone gets sad now and then. But it is... It is, look, a cinematic masterpiece where it's yeah. just like, no, I am actually physically blue. Yeah, it's like, taking into account what you just said, like, this film defies logic. Let's put that into perspective. The, all of the film up to this point defied logic, and then it's like, let's now stop and use real logic. Of course, and then it goes, naturally, because of all this shit that's happened, he is really stressed and things are not going his way. So, yes, it is uh, perfect. I'm confused. This part isn't, though. I don't dare you. This part's great. I got very, very confused during this moment where random slow motion is used and then they got sunglasses and then I realised, oh, it's the Matrix. But with Frankie Muniz? And then it's just... <laughs> now, I'm not saying the Matrix could have been better with Paul Giamatti in it as, as um, you know, Neo. But how would, would he still be blue <laughs> well, with orange hair? Obviously. Wait a second. He doesn't understand what she's saying, but she said he likes to play a little rough, and he said, I invented rough, so he no, understood that part? No, no. I had... Uh, Bartek, I'm so glad you're here, because I said this when I was watching it the other day. Oh, really? And I had to rewind it. If you guys are listening to this, and you're also wondering how come Marty Wolf is understanding her but doesn't understand her rewind it because it is actually a multi-layered film i told you before this film is intense in how the continuity uh, um is optional uh this is a movie she says the words a bit rough in english oh really yeah so she's speaking in spanish and then she says at the end a bit rough or something rather and that's why he can understand rough so that's why he says I invented rough, which sounds a bit rapey if you wanted to go there. But yes, I wrote in this part of the film, Marty Wolf loves kids. Kids love Marty Wolf. You know what? I, this this is a bit of a bad thought, but like when he when it was showing the like cuts between the kids and then him, the kids and him. After every one, he like made a comment, but then when it cut to the black kid, he stopped making comments. Ooh, what does that mean? I I don't know. It means I think we just lost headphones. Oh, we're back. We're back. I bumped it. Nope, I'm perfect. I got this little dangly part that isn't shared with you guys. So, Marty Wolf is breaking down at this point. Now, okay, this is this. Okay, could you find for me, Bartek, uh, a good Marty quote, uh, Marty Wolf speech or quote or something? Because this is the big question I've got to ask. Along with why the hell... I'm still not over. I still don't accept what Mr. Funnybones would have been there early in the drafts. I mean, I want to know the catalyst thought of why Mr. Funnybones was in the film. Like, when I'm writing a movie, which I haven't done, but if I was writing a movie, I don't know if I would have come up with Mr. Funnybones and never explained it in the movie, but the writer of this film came up with Mr. Funnybones and then never explained it in the movie. All we know is it's a tool for the kid Frankie, uh, I'll never use his name, for Shepard to steal later on, to prove that, that Marty actually cares about something enough to risk his career over, but 
why is it a monkey? And why is it a toy one? Why couldn't it have been his dog or something? Or like a cat or a guinea pig, an animal, a pet? Or do they think that, no, 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 if we encourage kids to steal animals, this will ruin everything that we are for in this movie. I like this song. (laughs) I like the fact that he actually figures out how to beat the car horn, but doesn't know how to use the brakes. He's like, I'll drive but I won't figure out how to use the brakes. The oh, masher. The masher. Here's Mr. Brian Turk, the second Turk of the film. <laughs> I'm glad that you looked it up. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. So, this I like how there's also a setup and payoff for this granny. Like, we saw her before, and she's just like, up yours, blue boy, and now, now she, like, ruins his life. Now, Without intending to, mind you. I think she intended it. Well, no, she didn't know that this no, no, she sort knows. of effeminately dressed muscle man uh, <laughs> would come and beat him up. I would. She's acknowledging that Wait, it's about I to like, happen right here. She's just like, I'm gone. Suck yeah. it, blue boy. You know that if this wasn't a kid's film, she'd like totally give the finger and call him like a fag or something. Uh, if this, I believe she said, eat my boobies or something. No, <laughs> no she said bloomers. Eat my... Was it bloomers. <laughs> I thought she said, eat my boobs. She, I love. She said something. I love. This is the only moment in the film, except for this bit here, just before he's talking to the muscle man. It's the only moment in the film where Marty Wolf is actually being nice and reasonable. He's like, "I'm sorry, it wasn't my fault." You see, I'm willing to get over over my details and whatever. But then this guy is unreasonable, and Marty Wolf doesn't know how yeah, to like, accept even that. Even his eyes are kind of like he's like been through a lot of shit, and like even though it's like something bad's happening, he's acknowledging it. Oh, uh, he is, he is Duncan. You were asking who Duncan is. No, like, wait, you explained who it was. was like, but oh, the look how, I think he's the sexiest person in this film. I, I don't know. Him. I'm not into men, but Duncan, oh, wait, can we take a moment to pause? This guy has the best joke in the film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the quintessential joke of this film. And, it, but it's like, it has to be accompanied by his laugh. It can't just be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's... But like, they did tell me nothing about picking up a little blue man! Uh, no, I, as I was saying, I think Duncan's the sexiest character. Who, sexiest who's person. that actor that plays Duncan? Duncan? I, um, I, I didn't look it up, unfortunately. I think it is Sexiest Man Alive who who played him. That's that's his full name. He, his, should, he should be in the old Spice commercials. <laughs> Instead of... Other sexy man. I, Isaiah Mustafa, was that his name? I do not know. I know Terry Crews is in Old Spice Hats. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh. Oh, look. It's... There's Sonic. <laughs> the first time I watched this, I thought that was Amanda for a second. Oh, lady. my but God. It, but it's oh. not. That would have been an interesting twist. Amanda Bynes plays two characters. So, do you, uh, did you find me an interesting Marty Wolf quote? No, because I was listening to you. Get a Marty Wolf quote. Well, Will, do you have anything in your notes that you put down that you feel like you need to talk about? Because Will also wrote, wrote notes. Okay, here's a quote. He, Give it to me. He picks the last one. Okay. Will, tell us, tell us, tell us some facts or some interesting tangent you want to go on with with this beautiful film. Um. Well, let's see. I don't have any tangents at the moment, but guys, what do you think? The ink on... What do you think they used to colour Paul Giamatti for this film? 
I know I know this fact. Ryan but... knows it, but what do you what uh what do you think, Bartek? What kind of dye do they use? I don't know types of dye, so you'd have to tell Tattoo me. ink. Tattooing. Sprayed all over him in several <laughs> layers. Okay. Occasion and it had to be topped up. Oh yeah, it had to be topped up. That's the problem with the film. Whoa! Fo- I never Whoa. noticed she's wearing like bananas on her feet. Oh yeah, banana feet binds. That's what they named her after this movie. Oh, I didn't think you knew so much about Amanda. I, I do, I do. I had to learn everything about every actor in this film. Well, there's a continuity here because you already said you didn't know much about her. Sexiest man alive. Oh, this is the part with. With Screech. Screech. Is that Screech? No, the next one. Is no, that Screech? No, that's Keenan Thompson. This is, is Screech. Is that Screech? Yes. Is she Screech? No, the guy. Oh. Bartek, yeah. are you Screech? <laughs> Worst film in the world. And it's is that Screech? Oh, oh, it's Paul Giamatti Screech, right? The, oh, direct- the director, um, Sean Levi, actually has a cameo in this really? scene too, but I can't see him. Uh, perhaps uh, someone else uh, can. He's my favourite character. The wife, and he keeps getting her name wrong, and he's just like, "Whatever, Shanene," and she's like, "I am not Shanene." I like her so much in this film because, again, we really don't see her again. But I just like how she's a strong, independent female character. But at the, you know, she's not having any of it. She's not having any of it. She's probably the one of the best female characters in film. Because they don't rely on her sexuality. They don't rely on this. She's just this guy's wife who does not want to be called Shanana or something or other. I'm not saying that... Mon- Monty doesn't rely on her sexuality. Uh, I don't know. She She's given weird faces to the film. No, 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 she, she doesn't. Or does she? I don't know. I have to pay attention a bit more to Monty. You got me there. I have, but uh, Amanda Bynes doesn't use her Oh, yes, she does. She goes through... Different things, and there's many sexual innuendos in this film. Frankie with... Muniz doesn't use his sexuality. He doesn't have one. He, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I was going to go for a gag about his eyebrows, but you've just you've just topped what I was going to do. <laughs> but um, more more trivia. Um, what did you write down as facts? You got notes here up the wazoo. Notes, but um, what you got? The dye, the blue tattoo ink they've got on Paul Giamatti stayed on his feet. For several months, apparently. So <laughs> okay, after this film that. was over for several months, he was walking around with blue feet. Well, he's feeling blue. I would does, after making this. Does Duncan ever question why he when he when he met him back in that previous scene, why he was blue? No. Did he question it? Well, but he's going to explain it in the next yeah, scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, if I was there, I'm like, what are you being blue about? Like nobody's said to. I don't think anyone's really said to. Why are you blue? I it's mean, like I know it's a party, but... <laughs> well, here's where, here's where I did research on the film. Oh, yeah. Everyone actually does know about his relationship with Mr. Funnybone. There's part of the course with that. <laughs> did, did Duncan just not want to be racist? Oh, uh, yeah, he didn't want to be racist against Smurfs. Well, like I said again, he didn't comment on the black kid. Now... This is... I asked Bartek to grab me a Marty Wolf quote. And I half-heartedly did. And he half-heartedly did. He grabbed the smallest quote that you could grab. Why I wanted a quote was, Paul Giamatti is a serious actor. Like, yeah, he does funny things every now and then. But he's like an Oscar-nominated performer. He's one of the best actors out there alive today. And he's in this. I want to know, we're actors. Will, Bartek, and myself. We did drama. And... You have, there's processes of going through a character that you have to go through. I want to know what 
what Paul Giamatti's process was for Marty Wolf. I want to know when he got, you know, when he said, let's dance, funny bones, or dancing. Also, we didn't mention how marvelous of a dancer Paul Giamatti is. Well, Mr. Funny Bones was leading it. Uh, yeah, but... To be fair, they're both great dancers. But I, 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 I just want to know, like, with with him, what was going through his line, his line deliveries? What's he going through in his head when he's like prepare? Like, you know, we prepare to learn. Put the, li- pa- put the paper down, all right. It's next to the microphone. <laughs> oh, stop, Ryan! Don't slap me. <laughs> <laughs> we, I'm never gonna put the paper down. You're never gonna give me up. You're going to let me go. Well, then, when the audience does the poll for their favourite co-host, I will win. Yeah, well, too bad you're a co-host and I'm the host, so tough. Um, no, I want to know, with Marty, I mean, with Paul, do Marty, is he acting? Or did they just dye him blue and chucked him onto a set and made a story around his reactions? Because I feel like he's not acting at points. Because it's Paul Giamatti. I want to know, like, what's going through his head. Like, when he says... When he says, you know, classic lines like, you know, wouldn't it be a problem since the headset is super glued to my ear? You know, stuff like that. Or, you know, like later on, he has the give me back my monkey. I want to know, like, when, you know, he's learning his lines, he's just like, give me back my monkey? No, 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 no. no. Paul, you can do better. Give me back my monkey. No, 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 no. You can Come on, Paul, phone it in. Phone it in. Do it for the money. Do it for the money. Give me back my monkey. Yep, that's it. Nailed it. Done. And that's when they, they that's when they say, uh, we were filming the whole entire time. And he's like, what? I didn't know it was in the movie. I'm not saying... Um, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't... I'm saying... This reminds me of those stories when you hear about like the making of Doctor Strange Love or Hell and to stop worrying and love the bomb. How that one actor like did joke takes where he was really over the top mm. and then they end up being used in the film. Yeah, and he hated it. Yeah, George C. Scott. I love the idea that this is a documentary. <laughs> like, Paul Giamatti's being followed around. Now, this is the best... Uh, I say this a lot. Multi-layered film. Multi-layered. Unappreciated masterpiece. Not enough people talk about this. Probably Paul Giamatti's best work. This is his, one of my favourite scenes in which you think he's going to call the dad. <laughs> Just... Just him thinking it, and then he's just like, yeah, well, you know, get it in writing. Like, that's the lesson that Frankie Muniz should have oh, learned. Oh, you're right, Amanda Bynes is kind of sexualizing. I see her belly button. Yeah, I told you. She is. Well, it was the 2000s. Midriffs were in. My God, Jeez. you can see her belly button. What a harlot. <laughs> yeah, man, and Monty, she's doing all these faces like, oh, no, why are you doing this? And oh, look, you can see Paul Giamatti's neck. What a harlot. <laughs> A blue wait, wait. I love that. That was one of my favourites. He is just so genuinely honest there. That's what makes me think he's not acting. He was just like, huh, what a day. I think Monty needs to open her eyes more. <laughs> I think she needs to, like, make weirder faces. Uh, like, he just goes, huh, what a day. Like, I think Will should have played Monty. I think Will should have played Rocco here. And he could be like, you get you two guys get packed up. Has Rocco been in something? He looks familiar. Uh, Rocco was in his modern life. <laughs> I do believe that, that was a good joke. Tell it again. I got a chuckle. Oh yeah, this is the scene in which 
You were talking about sexualization before mm-hmm. of her. I'm pretty sure that this is the scene in which I wrote sex. Like it's a question mark. Like are they are they gonna are they gonna have sex? Because what? because I think it's this one. Or I don't know if we've passed it. He's gonna have a boring conversation with his dad. Maybe it's not this one. There's some scene which we may have already passed it where it's them two in this warehouse. And they get really close, and the stuff they're saying to each other, and the way they're looking at each other, it's like if they were adults, it would be the start of a sex scene. To me, to me, but maybe that's just because, you know, I'm I'm assuming that this is an erotic thriller. When I'd I'm say watching. that's accurate. <laughs> I like what a good security guard he is. He's asleep. What a stereotype. I'm I'm upset about the. Uh, Injustice are done. So are we, just... we're going to call up the security guards union. <laughs> are they the only Hope. people with a legitimate reason to dislike Big Fat Liar? Nah, man. If you they're the only if ones. You, if you call them, they won't answer the phone because the call center people are asleep. Yeah. Oh, here's something I asked. Why does she care? She wanted an adventure. Yeah, but every ever since she came here, anytime you ask for her help. She does the, no, I don't want to, I'm not going to, and then she does like she was forced to. That's just... Why is she here? Like, she doesn't want to help her, he's her friend. She just wanted to go to Hollywood and just be what, exactly, live in the warehouse? Look at that dinosaur. And look, there's a neon sign that says, magazine. <laughs> what, what is the symbolism of that? <laughs> I don't know, tell me. Oh, dude, Monty just, uh, what's the, what does that one say? I thought it said tailoring. Tail off no? It's payback time. Oh, Mr. Feynman's got the seat. Now look, this is clearly... Like, he's he's wearing a blue outfit. He's choosing between blue outfits. It's... With poetry. As Will says, poetry in motion. Monty has a very loud collection of shirts throughout this film. If you watch back... Monty. Look at his shirts throughout this film. Monty, very... Monty, or or, or Marty. Well, I mean, where does the actor begin and the character end? <laughs> it's a terrible question. Oh, oh there's the Monty is the writer. Monty is the writer. No, yeah, she's the writer. Yeah, yeah. No, no. There's a security guard. He's joined them now. Why? Yeah, and, and like, it, like, gave him his own shot. Like, hey, kid, I'm here now. When did <laughs> we kid? establish that he had a problem with Marty? We never established this. If it was Rocco, perhaps. maybe, maybe, maybe he's from the future. Oh, there's dancing more. Oh, we missed it. I love how the picture of Marty Wolf is a completely different look to what he looks like in the movie. Like he's got a full beard. Yeah, it looks like he's gonna be like a. What's his name? Steve Jobs kind of director. He or looks like he is Paul Giamatti in a different movie. Like they just went, oh man, he was in Saving Private Ryan. Oh, here's Amanda Bynes being crazy. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, another weird face. Yeah. We should do a drinking game where each time someone does a weird face, especially Monty, the character of Monty, you have a shot, and by the end you'll be dead. It's showtime. Paul Giamatti looks like he's going to university in that shot. Oh. When, um, in this scene, spoiler alert, he's going to get driven, hmm. Paul G. Marty says something that I think uh, was a bit too explicit to say in this day and age. Which is? He calls, um... Oh, he calls him, like, Retardio. Yeah, he calls him, like, Ricky Retardo or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, whoa! I noted that down. I'm like, Ricky Retardo? What the... Mm. It's brutal. Scrub. Oh, like, also, he has to explain... Okay, oh, oh. 
We skipped something very early on. I need to talk about this. Do you guys remember how... There it is! Ricky Retardo. I got a movie to shoot. Do you guys remember the explanation for how they got the money to travel to Hollywood? Uh, he did a um, bunch of work. What kind of work? Babysitting and... Babysitting and... Lawn mowing. Yeah, lawn, lawn mowing. mowing. He said specifically, it took me three years to save up. He is 14 years old. He is 14 years old. What kid, when they are... 11? 11, is saving up their money from lawn mowing and all that for three years. I had a theory. I had a theory. It's now Mal- It's now breaking Malcolm in the middle, in which I think that the character of Jason Shepard was in fact a kingpin in the uh, meth industry, and he is manufacturing high-quality methamphetamines, and that's why he has the the drugs, I mean, the drug money to travel here. Now, Bartek, you're looking at me sceptical, but the evidence is all there that this is... No, I'm just listening to you because I don't know anything about Malcolm in the Middle. Well, I'm also talking about Breaking Bad. Spoiler. Um, The evidence is there. His dad is in Breaking Bad. Uh, Connection enough. Uh, Malcolm Middle, again, his dad is in Breaking Bad. So what is it with Malcolm's dads being in Breaking Bad? I don't know. I don't know. Sayonara, loser. And that was Japanese for goodbye, loser. I, I understood that. I understood what you, you were referencing. And I wrote here too, Tur- Turk can act. Because I was like, oh, he wasn't actually crying. And he says... It's, it's a multi-layered one. film. Those were real tears. <sighs> well, and it was you know adjacent to the fact that you could see the Hollywood sign in the background. Like how advanced like their thing there is. Like they have to announce to everyone that like complete. Now earlier in the film we were talking about characters who go. We we're talking about the sister specifically. Like she's never seen again, so she dies. And I said, well, you could say the same about you know Julia White, because after this. Oh, you mean Sonic? Yeah, Sonic. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to typecast him as his role in this film, which is Julia White. Um, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. He goes really fast to the desert here. And then he keeps driving to the desert, even when he's done with his part of the plan. And you never see him again. He's just in the uh, desert. We don't... Do we not see him again? Let's, I don't think so. I don't think I, so. I believe he just keeps on driving after the scene. Uh, yeah. I, uh, look, that's when the movie... Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's something. Where's Grandma Pearl? She, did I, she go? <laughs> she's, I think she's in the no, cinema. I think she's end. in the cinema. No, no, but what I'm saying is... Where's that pointless storyline that they shoved out our throats? Why did you say pointless? Because whoa, 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 Ryan. There were dumbbells made of wool. Why the fuck did there you say pointless? There was nothing pointless about that storyline. You got me. It wasn't pointless. Yeah, here it is. And he just keeps going. He's gone. Julia White, everyone. Or as we like to call him. Whoa, that was Sonic. some clipper cactus. <laughs> So guys, the the guy who directed this film, Sean uh, Levy, Sean Levi, mm. he has had quite a storied career. He's done the cheaper by the dozen movies. Wasn't this his first big feature film? I believe so. And he's done the Not in the Museum that? movies and Real Steel with yeah, Hugh Jackman. Surprisingly <laughs> enough, Real Steel, Jackman. which I've never seen, but one time I was channel surfing. <laughs> And I came across this, someone someone was interviewing a jockey after they'd just run a, won a race on their horse, and they asked what inspired him, and he said, 
Well, I watched that film Real Steel about 20 times with me and the horse. I'm paraphrasing here. <laughs> and that just really inspired us. So I do wonder, what could a man and a horse achieve if they watched Big Fat Liar 20 times? <laughs> what, could any man, what could any man achieve? Could, could I ask um, the Asian guy, Sulu? Whatever? Yeah, Sulu from um, Star Trek. Yeah, Or Harold from is, Harold and Kuma. Is his only gripe against Marty the fact that he can't have a bunch of cameras? Yeah, and doves. And birds. And, doves. and also the racism. Yeah. Was this a reference to a horror movie? No, it's a reference to Bad Boys 2. Oh. Have you seen Bad Boys 2, guys? This, this is the, the, like the iconic successor. <laughs> Look Boys at that too. face. Then that should have been the poster. That should, that was been. was there like an old horror film where like a guy was running down a runway while a train was uh, sorry not train a plane was trying to gun him down? I think something? you're thinking of North by Northwest with Alfred Alfred Hitchcock, in which it's like he's running and this plane is trying to shoot at him. Yeah, like I, I, I got him down or hit him down, yeah. and he's running in a cornfield and running on the road. Yeah, like I've I've only seen Psycho of his films, but I've seen parodies of that scene, like in that '70s show and, and stuff. And, so I thought that's what this was. And oh yeah, look, until look, he landed. Like, oh look, Lee Majors is in it. Forgot about that. He was there. He was established earlier. Yeah, he was the guy with the clown. Oh, he sat through Platoon. It's funny because Platoon is a movie, mm-hmm. and this is a movie. Oh, he looked into the camera. Good well, yeah, the, the joke is that like he's old and that he was in like war or something. Yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny joke because war is funny. Fuck yeah, man! Makes me laugh. It makes all Polish. Dude, we're Polish. It makes we us. We know war is funny. Oh yeah, we had a good time. We had a good time. We laughs all round. Laughs. He was in the concentration camp. So many years. Who <laughs> pulled you, Marty? My great grandfather. Oh well, he's he's gone now, so it's okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, Mr. Fantastic and um, girl. Uh, uh at the airport. I, I think she maybe she said something at some point. She. <laughs> she said, I think she says like how she's disappointed in like the son. Like she's like, I'm disappointed in you, Jason. Thank you very much. Emergencies. <laughs> oh boy. This this movie, this movie. So, we've got many many classic um, moments of cinema that have been imitated since this. I'm sure that that's what's that movie with the Rock in which he's in a helicopter saving people that came out this. Um, was that San Andreas? San Andreas. San Andreas. I've only played the video um, game. I, d- I don't think it had anything to do with the GTA <laughs> I, game. I know it doesn't. But um, San Andreas. San. San. Yeah, you know, people know. You guys know. It's The Rock. It's. I'm not. Look, this film has been imitated so many times. I haven't seen that new Rock movie, but uh, he drives a helicopter in it. And oh, it's so, a helicopter. so it's a reference to this movie. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a reference to a film that hadn't come out. <laughs> this <laughs> film. It's either a year before or after GTA 3, and that. Oh, you couldn't drive a helicopter in that, though. So, no, but it's, it's before Vice City, and Vice City was so the first one we could the, ride anything a inspi- Anything with a helicopter in it, including real life, was inspired by uh, Big Fat Liar. I know you're saying, Ryan, helicopters were used before Big Fat Liar. Yeah, well, that's how, that's how this movie transcends time. Yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Leave us alone. We it, like Big is, Fat Liar. It is such a masterpiece. <laughs> it is able to inspire people yeah. retroactively. Bartek, seriously though, can I ask you, would you watch this film again? Yeah, I would. Will, would you watch this film again? Um, well, I watched it yesterday. 
and I'm watching it again now. Yeah, that's what so I was going to say. So it stands to reason that I would watch it again. Would you show this to your kids? Um, maybe. <laughs> oh my god! Exist. That face. But that, that, that is oh, that is Southern. That's him in the poster too. See he, now those are open eyes. Monty could learn from that. <laughs> See, he's been blue and now he's red. Uh, he's upset. And they say black people are coloured. Wow, racism from within the commentary of the film that has racist moments. Wait, no, wait. With that snack, <laughs> she's was, eating cheese. Yeah, and it looked disgusting. Or was that? Yeah, that, no, it's like oh, dried cheese and salami. There. There's a biscuit there. See, no, I, thought, I thought it was salami. No, no, there's salami there's a and a cracker underneath or something. Yeah. Oh, because I, I thought you just had the salami. Wait, wait, and guys, the cheese. guys, here is the moment. Yeah, you touch that paper, Ryan. Everybody, be calm for a moment. This is cinematic gold. Oscar-worthy performances. Squeaks. <gasps> oh my god. Give me back my monkey. <sighs> it touches me to the core. It actually is really well choreographed. <laughs> it, that touches me to the core, that scene. It touches me in many places that are inappropriate for a kid's film to touch. But it does it. I think you mean the other way around. You shouldn't be touching kids. <laughs> I like. I wrote, I'm coming, funny boys. I wrote Grand Theft. I wrote. I wrote something there when he steals a car. I wrote Grand Theft Wolf. Um, a few months ago, I played GTA Five for the first time. So did I. And one of the first missions is you chase your friend and you drive through a movie studio. Um, uh, obviously that was inspired by this film. Yeah, that was inspired cool. by Big Fat Lie. Big Fat Lie inspired many things. I was a kid when I saw this. As kids are, you're directionless in life. You don't know where you want to be in, say, five years' time, yeah. ten years' time, twenty years' time. But Also, I'd but, like to point out that Amanda Bynes crashed the car. Women drivers, am I right? <laughs> oh, brutal, Bartek. Yeah, this is an edgy, unstoppable. edgy podcast. <laughs> edgy. Like 14-year-old girls can't drive. Yep, Ooh. pretty much. So, I was directionless when I watched this when nine, you said, perhaps. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but then I saw this movie, and it inspired me to, to be in movies and to be an actor. That is a true story. I'm not fabricating that in any, any, any way. Seeing Paul Giamatti get wet many times in this film, nice, soaking, wet Paul Giamatti, Made me go. I want to do that. I want to be an actor. I want to be. I want to be that water that touches Paul Giamatti, and that is uh, how how I am who I am today. Thanks, um, writers and creators of Big Fat Liar. Ryan, that was beautiful. Mm. Yeah, when I watched this film yesterday, I retrospectively wanted to be an actor when I saw Screech call Say by the Bell awful. My God. Bartek, did you see that? There was someone in a lobster costume. Yeah, it's and an look, Amanda show reference. Yeah, and this, it is. This is the continuity error. It's in his bag, it's in his hands. It's because he grabs it. In, it's, it's, he didn't, <laughs> it wasn't a shot of him grabbing it, it was a no, shot of it already. No, no, in his it's, hands. Because, it's because by this point in this part of the film, this is the cameras that we see from the people filming this segment, like the the John Woo ripoff director with all the doves and all the stuff. All these camera shots we see are actually the film within the film. So again, multi-layered. 
Dude, I am such a Ricky Retardo. You are such a Ricky Retardo. Grunts. Now, why does he roar? I don't know. Because it's funny. He's a wolf. Doves. (laughs) Yeah, he's hungry (laughs) like the wolf. That song actually played. It did play. I love before it plays, he just announces hungry. Mm. (laughs) How come there isn't any song by the monkeys? Uh, that is a good question. Again, what is with Mr. Funny Birds? I've never understand. Maybe this is like the rosebud of Citizen Kane. It is such a contextually important event in the film that, that you know, that scholars will be arguing for decades upon its worthiness of being in the film and what it represents towards the character. Oddly enough, I think Big Fat Liar and Citizen Kane have a lot in common. They're both about an egotistical man's rise to power and his fall after his ego interferes with his reputation and his sanity and his work. This film, this film inspired Citizen Kane. Yeah, but I mean, I don't watch shitty films. I only watch Big Fat Liar. Yep. We we don't we don't like none of that Academy Award winning shit in here. Hey, we, who am I? I want to make Big Fat Liar. I do believe that is God. No, that was Orson Welles. Well, there you go. Uh, Here's Orson Welles going to McDonald's. Give me a Big Mac. I like... I. Uh, let's see. Oh, we didn't count if there's 12 cameras or how many cameras oh. they, they said they were. Dude, it's a multi-layered film. There are more than 12 cameras. But they didn't use them all. Oh, look at this. Such a boss. This character should have had his own film. 12 different camera angles. Birds flying around. By the by... Fuchsia says, Castang, what is that? I don't understand. He made his own catchphrase at the end of the movie, like Castang. It's Chinese for, um, yeah. Bartek, you speak Chinese? Yep, spit in Chinese. Hmm. Sexy man. I'm still saying Duncan, the president, is sexy. He should have played Lando Calrissian. And then wait, wait, wait. Twinkies. And the Twinkies come back. I like, yeah, this film again. Is a multi-layered film. It has a setup, which is he says Twinkies, and then it has a payoff, which is she eats a Twinkie. Mm-hmm. He is Mr. Fantastic. That's set up, and the payoff is he's still Mr. Fantastic. End film. Security guard. <laughs> <laughs> Security guard. Everyone makes weird faces in the film, especially Monty. And then at the end, they all make weird faces at the end, except for Monty. Oh, we can count the TVs behind. Never mind. No, we can't count TVs. And at the end, Monty does not make a weird face. Oh, and another setup and payoff. They set up the fact that he is not 12 years old and that Marty doesn't... Not 10. Not 10 or 12 or whatever. I think it Marty, was not 13. Not 13. Marty never pays attention. He always gets told he's 14. And then at the end, he tells everyone else that he's 14. <sighs> this you film. Know, you know, if Frankie Shepard here wouldn't run away and get beaten up, Monty would have like a... Not Monty, I'm so sorry, I didn't now. Marty, Marty would have a much worse fate than what happens later. Who the fuck do you think you are? Get the name of the lead character correct. It is Marty. Will, Will was confused before. Will was wrong before. And that is why he may never come back. I'm sorry, Will. I like the idea that he thinks that he's just let this kid fall to his death. Different stunt actor, just saying. Um, let this kid fall to his death and he completely accepts it. He's just like, yeah... I killed a kid. Well, I'm the wolf. <laughs> uh, you're right. I don't think Julia White ever comes back. I thought he might have been in this end crowd shot where it's like everyone who helped him is there. Is he perhaps in the no. cinema later on? 
I oh oh. We'll have to keep an eye out for. We'll have to keep an eye out for Julia White. No, no, this is all happening. The dad is such a terrible father. Guys, for God's sake, stop typecasting Sonic. He's such a terrible father. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He is. He's a. He's a. That's no good. That's exactly. Uh, That's uh, no good. That was Julia White. And again, I also wrote if the kid just jumped off and there was no mattress thing down there, dead. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. I'd like to see where the direction of this film would go if they died. Like, what would happen? There's so many points in which he should be dead. What if he jumped into a wormhole and fell into an alternate dimension? Got- Sequel. Sequel. Big fat liar. You suck, Marty. I don't know why you would say that. Because he sucks. And I don't remember them causing this much damage. Oh my god. It was a movie all along. Yeah, at this point confused me because I thought he was just really close to the camera. I didn't now, get is Jaleel giant. there? I don't think Jaleel is in there. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. Is that... No. That's not Jaleel White. That's a woman. Now, I thought... Look at cleavage. Is that... I thought when I watched this, I didn't even know to doubt. Is she Duncan's wife or am I just racist? Mm, I think you're just um, racist. I think I'm racist. Don't worry about it. You're just racist. Ah, racism. Well, Big Fat Liar also taught me about racism because Marty Wolf was racist and, um... That was it. He told he taught me how. Again, inspired me. Inspired me in many, many ways. Clap, it, clap. And it was all a film. Grandma Pearl is there. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't see, see Jaleel White. I can't see Sonic. Jaleel White. I'm sorry. I didn't see Jaleel. I, I like how Monty is sitting next to, like, Frankie Muniz. Not his freaking parents. Yeah, Pearl. And yeah, the bully Pearl. is no longer dumb. I and like, he's no longer dressing up like Haley. Yeah. 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 He's losing his shit, Turk is. Turk, we get it. You was, liked it. Oh, the game. teacher's back. Why is she so happy? I love that. Congratulations. It was incredible. Like, and that's it. Like, that's the lesson. <laughs> that's the lesson learned. The mum didn't say anything. The dad is so proud, though. Look at him. He looks like Bruce Wayne, which feeds into my idea that he is a superhero. Well, didn't Bruce Wayne's parents die when leaving a theater? Yeah, exactly. So, so is he about to get shot right <laughs> yeah, there yeah. with the wife? I think so. Oh my god! Uh, even his son dressed effeminately. I like how the son and him dress in the exact same clothes. And Do you... this is the perfect way to, to end... finish off this film. See his nipples. <laughs> the nipples contribute, but you'll see. Screaming! Ah! <laughs> and there we go a nut shot to finish off the film that is the cherry on top of this well, Sunday of a film to be fair we didn't see what happened he could have just untied his shoelaces now we finally finished the movie I want to hear some final thoughts and um, your your personal uh, review and how many how many stars or, or how much of a high ranking would you give this film uh, Will, we'll go with you first because, you know, you're our guest. Alright. Well, I don't know much about film, but I know this was a film. So I'll say the the very vague criticism that one gives when one doesn't understand film. The cinematography was good. I give it 51 out of 66 stars. Oh, there you go. What about you, Bartek? Considering that this is now... You, you've watched it once. 
other than this viewing that we have just done here. You're a newcomer to the marvelous art form that is Big Fat Liar. I want to hear your thoughts and your review and your 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 rating of this masterpiece. Yeah, I'm a newcomer to the film, but unlike Will, I'm not a newcomer to film. Good, good. So, I give this film film out of film because, like Will said, it was film. Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. it was a film. And, you know, you can film me saying that, you can record me saying that. I can't deny that it was a film. Uh, Grandma Poe was played by Sparkle. Just so you know. That's beautiful. Oh. That's actually Brian Turks. Yeah, you're <laughs> you got two Turks. Dustin Diamond. There's Dustin Diamond right above Bart Meyer. So, I'll give you my thoughts, and then after I'm going to read some reviews I found on IMDb. Um, I think this film is one of the greatest films ever made. I don't like when people personally say it's a great kids film. Because it is a film that transcends the level for just kids. Yes, it may have initially been made for children, but it is something that everyone can enjoy. It is a masterpiece of cinema. I am personally glad... Whoa. I am personally glad that someone wrote this and then someone agreed to make it into a film. I'm glad that we got to see the epitome of the 2000s in a film, but yet at the same time, this film is ageless. I miss the fact that Frankie Muniz is absent from our screens. I miss the fact that Amanda Bynes has disappeared into her own world. And I miss films like this, not just kids' films. I was watching a film earlier this year called... Mad Max Fury Road. And I was thinking to myself, I wish this was more like Big Fat Liar. And that's saying something, because everyone loves the new Mad Max movie, but you got to ask yourself, was it Big Fat Liar? No, it wasn't. I give this film five stars. Thank you, man. Seriously, I was telling my friend that, um... I'm I'm teary-eyed from that. Yeah, That was a beautiful summary. I was watching this film, and I told my friend about it, and he laughed at me. He said, "Why don't you just watch a good film?" So, but why you watch just... a good film when you can watch a great film? Yeah. So, in conclusion, fuck you, Jono. <laughs> there you go. Some. So now I've got some reviews from IMDb that gives a different kind of view or views. This is uh, the review called. This title is now that was fun to watch it by Rack. 78, from Earth, apparently. Um, They had this to say. It is a nice comedy. (laughs) That's a good way to start. It has the great features of the childhood, lying or trying to get away from, from own generated troubles. The casting is great. Great acting, and I love this. This is something I didn't understand, but this is what they wrote. And the special effects? They put a question mark there. They weren't sure if there were any, and that gives credit to the film. Uh, and the special effects? Well, some, stunt, some stunts are really impressive. Watch it. Smiley face. And that person gave the film, like, seven stars out of ten. Pretty impressive. And then this one which is by the author Plankton Rules. 
and they are from Florida. The title of this review is I Got Drug Along. <laughs> yeah, I got I got drug along, but it wasn't bad. Okay, prepare yourselves for this one, guys. Because, again, we were talking about film. This guy touches on... Or woman. I don't know. Plankton Rules could be a woman. It's a SpongeBob fan. It's a SpongeBob fan. And a Big Fat Liar fan. Or it could be a marine patrician taste. they They talk about the problems of films that were out during the time of Big Fat Liar, which was something we didn't talk about. And I'm glad this person raises the problem with cinema that was happening in the early 2000s. And that Big Fat Liar restored cinema to what it is, an art form. Okay, this is what they had to say. Okay, I'll admit that if I didn't have kids, I never would have seen this movie and would never see it. But, considering all the rotten kids movies I have seen, in brackets, such as Spy Kids 2 or Babe, Pig in the City, in brackets, this is a significant improvement and... It had enough in it that I wasn't totally bored out of my skull or contemplated suicide. In brackets, something I did repeatedly in the other two movies. End the brackets. Sure, the performances are pretty broad and the plot is kind of silly, but it is a kid's film. And compared with other films in the genre, this is definitely better than average. Frankie Muniz and Amanda Bynes actually appear to have some talent and probably will continue to have careers after puberty, at least on influence. <laughs> 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 I was trying I'm to get sorry. that through so seriously. That was okay. <laughs> Oh. Actually, Peter have talent. <laughs> I can't. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> oh. we'll have careers after puberty, at least on infomercials or doing voiceovers. So if you're looking for a film to see with your kids, you certainly could do a lot worse. 7 out of 10. That was good. That was my favourite. It said everything that... That needed to be said, and also had some controversy in there. I mean, yes, it is a kid's film, but it's a lot more than that, Plankton Rules. A lot more. And I hope you're listening to this. From Florida. Um, That was an emotional ride. Guys, did you have fun? Of course. It's Big Fat Liar. Big Fat Liar. And (laughs) that's enough. Bartek is done with saying anything else. He's like, of course, it was Big Fat Liar. End commentary you just hear his headphones plonk on the desk and he leaves and where's my paycheck <laughs> and will did you enjoy yourself i had big fat fun <laughs> that sounds sexual for some reason i don't vaguely. know i vaguely. don't know why i don't know why i felt that it was an educational romp for everyone involved including me there were things that i never noticed in the film and i am very uh <sighs> Proud, <laughs> I guess, to have learnt that there were things in the movie that I did not see before. Evidently, as I mentioned in my big confession, the first two minutes of the movie I had never seen before. But I'm so glad that I got to have the context of the meatball story, the bully story. In fact, all the characters were summed up in the first two minutes, and that's a good thing. Because movies are far too long these days, and with movies like Big Fat Liar that go for, I don't know, is it like 84 minutes? Mm-hmm. Good. Perfect. Well, I've, I've got to say, 
it's actually a bit of it, it's actually a bit of a harder film to get a hold of than I imagined because uh, I was in JV the other day. I had I had a gift voucher for my birthday. I went to the comedy section to go try and find it. I figured, oh, I didn't know what to buy. Big Bad Lie will probably be cheap. we got this coming up. And I couldn't find it. So I went up to the front counter. The lady at the front counter, well, I asked her, do you have Big Fat Liar? And she oh, she wasn't sure, so I've just clarified, oh, you know, it's that movie where that guy gets painted blue. And she says, oh, yeah, yeah I remember Big Fat Liar. No, we don't have it anymore. The DVDs have been discontinued. That's an atrocity. So if you, if you have a copy of Big Fat Liar, you better we, hold on to it. We Will, would, there's a copy like right in front of us, but when we sneak out of here, we should... You, know, you guys aren't taking there, my there copy. There is a copy here. There is a copy here. I have a DVD copy, which was not a solo copy. Yeah. My copy, unfortunately, or should I say fortunately, came with Flipper with Paul Hogan and Elijah Wood, which maybe, if you're lucky, guys, will be a podcast we talk about because I remember that film and that's enough for us to talk about it. If I remember it, if I remember it, it's most likely going to be discussed. I mean, look at this title. Oh my God, exclamation mark, two movies, one great price. And we should, like, clarify, it's OMG. Oh, yeah, OMG. In all caps. So, it's an atrocity. A major atrocity to hear that big fat liar. According to a staff member that William talked to at a JB Hi-Fi while giving a voucher for his birthday, said that it is discontinued on DVD. That is an atrocity. Bartek and I, uh, with light hearts, made comments about the Holocaust before. But this, hearing this, makes the Holocaust pale in comparison. Would you you agree, Bartek, as, as a Polish person? I I do agree. I mean, if you go there and you see it's on Blu-ray, you don't need to see it on Blu-ray. We need it on DVD because that's how it was made. I mean, look, I'm not saying that the only way to watch this film is on VHS, on video, but... In 2002? In, in 2002. Travel back in time. But I'm sure that Bartek's great-grandfather... Would have rather not lived in a world in which we could not get a copy of Big Fat Liar as easily as we should have. I really hope he does that. I really hope he believed that before he died. Tragedy. Because if he didn't, I'm going to have eggs on my face. On Bartek's face. Well, on that upbeat note, we always, always will end on an upbeat note about Bartek's relatives dying. Mainly, I hope. I don't know. We'll work it in somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, we might run out of relatives, but that's when I just start killing them, and you're like, oh, oh no. dude, dude, we're going to be fine. I've got a few that died of cancer. We can make great jokes out of that. Oh, there you go. Um, Will, it's been a pleasure to have you. We're going to have Will on again. Very, very sure about that. I'm very sure. We've got a list, or I've got a list of movies of other unappreciated masterpieces. I know what you're saying. Ryan, you talked about Big Fat Liar as if it was the unappreciated masterpiece of cinema. And you're right, it is. It is. It is. But then you've got to ask yourself questions like, what about Cats and Dogs with Jeff Goldblum? Or Kangaroo Jack with Christopher Walken? 
Those are also unappreciated masterpieces. There will be many, 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 I hope, in the future that we're going to talk about. Ones that Bartek will know, ones that I will know, and ones that hopefully our guest will bring along with them. And it would always be great to have suggestions of great unappreciated masterpieces. But for now, we have launched off with the greatest film of them all, maybe. Big Fat Liar with Frankie Muniz, Paul Giamatti, and Amanda Bynes. It was an emotional roller coaster. I'm glad that you guys were here to listen to us talk about a quality film. And you can listen to it again if you replay the video. Uh, repeat, oh, repeat. The, the fire, I the feel we've been on a journey. A journey, a journey. We're hungry like the wolf. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Spit and Polish presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. That is true. It has been Spit and Polish presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. Next week, we're going to watch that Lumiere Brothers film where the train comes into the station. Maybe. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. We're lucky enough to have seen movies before. You know, maybe if you donate some money, we can, you know, oh, do the Lumiere Brothers I, film. I don't know. If we're going to be money grubblingly yeah, off of you guys. But, talking about making money, Big Fat Liar. Uh, I hope it made money. <laughs> it clearly did. It got in the OMG DVD box. <laughs> yes. But thank you guys very much for listening to Spin Polish Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. You have been great listening people. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>